just going to preface this podcast by saying that even on my best day, I look worse than the two ladies that are joining me right now. And we're, yes, we're both claiming to be raggedy. Well, I'm claiming to be raggedy right now. <laughs> this is this is what they call a hard opening. Like we had nothing. This is it. It just started because we tend to fly by the seat of our pants. Season two, uh, baby. Here we go. Launching out of the right. pocket. Right. That's how we do it. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So basically I just want to let you both know, or at least our guest. So I'm going to give her a proper intro here in just a second. Uh, we all see each other. So, you know, we're all lamenting over the fact that none of us are really looking our best right now, but you as the viewer slash listener only get to hear us. So, uh, I guess the joke's on you. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to season two of Seat of Your Pants. I am your host, Jay from Why Not, with me again returning, as always, is the lovely Mistress Kai. Hello, hello. Hey, and our first episode of season two, uh, we are interviewing the interviewer. We have <laughs> Steph Sia, who is also the host of Stripped by Sia, her own podcast. She's got a YouTube channel. She's a pole dancer. She's a content creator. And we're going to delve into all this great stuff. So without further ado, our first guest of season two, that rhymes, Steph Sia. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. So weird to be on the side of the mic. <laughs> right? I feel a little bit like I'm a third wheel on a date because you guys did a podcast, right? Jay, you were a guest on Sia's podcast recently. That is correct. But, you know, you don't have to be a third wheel. I mean, you could be just a third. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We're starting this out with a bang. We haven't lost our touch after taking some time off. I We're appreciate still perverts. that. That's right. <laughs> You guys put up with my antics and my inappropriate comments. Uh, so uh, how should we call you? Should we call you Steph Sia? Should we call you Steph? What do you prefer? Whatever you want. Honestly, everyone knows me by Sia, and they think that's my first name, which is really cool. But that's actually my legal last name. But um, <laughs> I go by, yeah, Steph, Steph Sia. Just not Steffi or Stephanie, because it sounds like I'm in mm. trouble. And <laughs> Now, listen here, young lady. Now, basically, I like calling you Steph Sia because that's basically your brand. I mean, Steph mm -hmm. is your first name and Stripped by Sia is your podcast. Yes. And if we're saying Steph Sia, there is absolutely no mistake who we're talking to and talking about. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you know, tell tell everybody who uh, isn't familiar with what you do. Tell everyone about your podcast uh, yeah. and I guess your beginnings in the industry. And we're just going to jump into it with uh, out of left field and inappropriate questions. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's so weird being, yeah, as I said, on this side, <laughs> being the interviewee. But um, yeah, so my name is Steph Sia. I'm the host of the adult industry podcast, uh, Strip by Sia. And that was started a few years ago now. So back in 2019, when I was dancing on stage as uh, a stripper, I am a stripper, even currently to this day, still a stripper, still do my whole things. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, basically a customer told me and like, we were having a conversation and they were like, oh, you know, strippers are really fascinating people. Um, at least we are here in 
the Pacific Northwest of Canada, he was referring to strippers as like influencers. We have like tens of thousands of followers and we just lead really interesting lives. And I thought that was a really cool statement to make because it's true. We do lead really normal, but also kind of interesting lives to the outside people, I guess. And it just kind of stuck with me. And I was like, well, I've always wanted to try a podcast. So I decided to start a podcast a couple of weeks after that. And that's how I got started with the show. And that's been running every single week, every Sunday <laughs> since August of 2019. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. I mean, just going more than a few months is very difficult to keep on a schedule. I mean, you know, I think we do a pretty good job with seat of your pants, but I mean, you know, a few weeks will go by here and there and it's very difficult. And the fact that you've already knocked out what 122 episodes or 123 episodes by the time this airs, you know, I mean, that's just testament to the fact that, yeah, you've been keeping consistent with this now for the better part of two and a half years or so. Yeah, it's really wild. And it was so interesting because season one was all like my friends, my other stripper friends and people I knew in the industry and like dominatrices that I knew in Vancouver where I live in Canada. And then I was really against doing any kind of virtual interview because I was like, that's going to take away from the genuineness and like the connection you get from like in-person interviews. And then COVID happened. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do virtual interviews (laughs) from here on out. So... That's kind of what happened. But honestly, it's been such a godsend because I was now able to reach so many more people from all corners of the world now because the show is like 100% virtual. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> uh, so you say you're in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's quite a few people in the industry that are located up there, but a lot of them, I guess, don't want to be found, don't want to be public about it. You know, it's it's kind of weird because I always wanted to come up there. I've wanted to do events up there. I mean, it is kind of an often ignored part of the country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, I know so many people that either live in Vancouver or Seattle or up on the islands west of Vancouver. Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, and Jay, you've got to come up and make a trip. So I would love that. Days for sure. I'd be happy to host. <laughs> One of my favorite questions. <laughs> it's hard to put me on the spot. I know. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite questions is um, for sex workers is I want to hear about your origin story. Mm, Where good. did it all start? Yeah. Okay. You might want to buckle in because it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> There's I think like, most stories have, a, like, most origin stories have a lot of depth to them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. And it kind of goes into, like, at least my story goes into three different phases. So the first part was, like, maybe back in, like, 20, gosh, how old was I? When was this? This is back in, like, 2013. So almost a decade ago that I got into work. And my entry point was actually through sugaring. So being a sugar baby. So if for those who are not familiar with what sugaring is, it's like a mutually beneficial relationship or agreement um, that's negotiated between usually a person of power and influence. Um, Typically, it's a cis male. (laughs) And then paired with a much younger typically female. So I was in the position of sugar baby. I had met a number of sugar daddies from around K 
Canada and the United States. And basically, I had fallen into sugaring because I had recently gotten out of a really tumultuous relationship. I was beat down. My ego was like down as well. And my roommate at the time was actually like, hey, like instead of going on all these Tinder dates, you know, for free, why don't you go on a paid date on Seeking Arrangement? So I was like, oh, okay, like money involved, like that makes sense. And they're like, oh, plus you like older dudes anyway. So it just like kind of works out for you. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Like I love getting paid for things and just living my life. So that's what happened. But of course, because I was so naive at this time, like I never saw this as work. I never saw this as sex work. It wasn't until like way later that like I realized, oh, this is actually work. And there's so much like emotional labor that comes with that. So for me that I was just really kind of insecure in this uh, framework of, okay, because I, I was asked often the question, well, what's the difference between being an escort and being a sugar baby? Or what's the difference between being a prostitute and a sugar baby? And I'd be, I get, I would get so defensive. Um, I didn't want to be associated with escorting or prostitution or sex work or anything like that. I was rejecting that entire front. That for me was really uncomfortable. And a lot of people, of course, would share the same kind of sentiments, whether or not you're in sex work at all because of the stigma and the negative connotation that comes with that. So I was doing that for a few years. I had some long-term sugar daddies um, that would come up visit me. And I was like living with one at one point. And then it just became too suffocating. And I just needed to get out of that world and live my life in a different manner. I just didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and then it was at that point where I discovered pole dancing. And at the same time, I was kind of preparing for a pole dancing competition. And I hadn't performed or done any kind of sport on stage in probably about a decade. And I was like, well, I just want to get like the jitters out of the way. So my friend was like, oh, why don't you try amateur night? And of, of course, me being the naive person that I am, was thinking, oh, like, is there full nudity with that? Like, is that, uh, like, so stupid. Like, just thinking about that now, I was like, well, duh, of course, there's full nudity with that. Like, are you an idiot? <laughs> it was very cute. Very, very cute. Yeah, it's like, but it's a very understandable thing, you know? I mean, yeah. it's not that far-fetched or ridiculous. And, you know, just to touch real quick on what you mm -hmm. were just saying, uh, you know, about the stigma and everything attached with, uh, I guess, escorting and everything, you know? When it comes down to it, people just, they, they really need to fuck off. I mean, really, the only thing that you should even be remotely concerned about is, A, your safety, and B, you know, any kind of legalities, because, you know, there's always going to be, you know, law enforcement, there's always going to be just some issues, and I'm not quite sure what the difference is between the U.S. and Canada in that regard, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know classifying it uh, a certain way, uh, you know, can obviously go a long way to, to save your ass, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. I mean, like on that note, Jay, yeah, I mean, safety was not a priority at that moment in my life. And oh my goodness. I'll admit that. That makes me so nervous because a lot that happens for a lot of young women. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I harp constantly about boundaries and, um, even safety regarding law enforcement here in the United States, um, but mostly the clients 
have, you know, setting your safety protocols, um, because I hear that so often where there's a naivety going into it. And there are um, cis men primarily that will look for specifically those who are naive um, just so they can get over on them or push their boundaries or use intimidation and coercion and things like that. So I'm really glad we're talking um, about these things because it makes me nervous for young sex workers because like you, you're not thinking about those things. There's sort of an invisibility or um, uh, feeling, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> you're invincibility. Like, invincibility. Invincibility. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's understandable. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, then there's seasoned women like me that are like, please do this, please do that. You know, there's a reason we're telling you these things um, in the hopes that you'll set up these safety boundaries. So I'm glad you're touching on that. Oh, absolutely. And Guy, I, I, I share the same sentiment now looking back at my life back then and just like mm-hmm. horrified at like the, the risks you took. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But just put, but purposely putting myself in dangerous situations and me just like laughing it off at that point in my life. Like I remember I was being flown out, um, Connecticut for a date for a weekend with a potential sugar daddy. And there could have been so many opportunities where I could have gotten killed or yep. assaulted on many different occasions during that trip. And just, I just count my lucky stars every day that none of that stuff happened to me. And, but it could have, it really could have. And just the people that had dragged in into my circle in terms of like trying to like loop people in, like I call my best friend on the way to the airport on that trip and was like, Hey, haha, just let you know, I'm going to Connecticut for the weekend, just living my life. And I like talking to her now, she's like, I was so scared for you. And I thought you were going to die and you weren't going to return home. And me taking that so lightly as a kid, because I was a kid, uh, and looking about, like, looking upon it now, it's just like, oh my gosh, there's just so much regret. And and you mentioned boundaries. I didn't have boundaries back then either. I didn't know how to establish them. <clears throat> I had let so many people take advantage of me in those situations. And it was a hard learning to learn because I, I felt like I was in denial for a lot of that time. You so, know, and sugaring... Um there is sort of like this disconnect or this denial that um, I see a lot of young women when they get into sugaring, especially, well, uh, you know, what you touched on. Well, I'm not a prostitute or this is the safe way to mm-hmm. hustle. And that's not the case uh, for me. You know, I've been in in this industry in one aspect or another for a lot of decades and I feel like sugaring is one of the most dangerous because there's a naivety going into it and then where there are the vulnerable there are predators and there is an overabundance of predators in sugaring because most often sugaring is almost like in your situation it's a gateway or it's the first steps into any type of adult work and they know that and it's dangerous and it, it makes me nervous here even hearing you talk about things that you're aware of now, but you weren't thinking of back then. It makes me, you know, 
a little nervous, like, oh my goodness, you're so very fortunate. Well, hey, who knows? Maybe this podcast, maybe this particular episode will help right. make other people think. Maybe it'll save someone. I mean, you know, we've all taken risks of one thing or another. I mean, obviously, a risk like this supersedes, you know, just about any other risk. I mean, I, with the problem with, you know, with predators of this kind is that, you know, when they're investing a lot of money into something and they're twice your age or more and they feel like they basically own you, so to speak, like yeah. a pet or something like that then obviously they feel like they can call the shots and they know, they know that, you know, what kind of recourse do you have? I mean, are you going to go to the cops and say, Hey, he did this to me or whatever, you know, or it's like when a drug dealer's like, Hey, he stole my drugs and didn't pay me. I mean, you know, in a situation like this, Hey, he didn't pay me or he's abusing me. Well, what do you do? And then you explain. And then all of a sudden now you're vilified. It's like, you know, they, they know this. So it's like, you know, totally a good, you to- I'm sorry, a good um, example of this, of, you know, somebody with money and somebody, you know, the disproportion of power um, is that guy, uh, Nygaard, Peter Nygaard, I think yeah. he was, exploiting yeah. models. And oh, I'm going to fly you down to my island. And, uh, you know, women, they were uh, trapped there because there was incredible intimidation, not only physically being trapped, but there was incredible intimidation. So that's on, the, you know, the much grand, more grand scale. And then locally, we had a guy here named Joey the Player over oh, yeah. in New Jersey. doing the same thing. He was baiting women with money. Um, And then when they got there, they were being battered and raped and robbed. And, you know, that disproportion of power and with the money. And that's, you know, that's on a much smaller scale. But I'm always nervous for women in sugaring because Mm -hmm. there's sort of a disconnect that, you know, it's a little bit more innocent and I, maybe I, you know, I don't have to worry about having all these safety protocols and things like that. And I'm sort of like, no, it has to be way dialed up in sugaring, like way dialed up. Definitely. See, Jay, we can have an episode without a cat and yours is on your shoulder. (laughs) Walking on my freaking hair. And he sneezed on me before. He sneezed his boogers on you? Oh, yeah. Like at one point, I just, I felt a, you know, and I look and he's standing right there and I just like felt it all over my arm and it's just like, ugh. We can't have an episode without a pet. It's either us or our guest. Sorry. It's okay. I love it though. The distractions. OnlyDolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. OnlyDolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam girl? Cam couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at OnlyDolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at OnlyDolls.com. So, uh, yeah, you know, by the way, not to just veer off here because this is all about Steph Sia. Did they ever catch that Joey guy? Did that get convi- did that clown get convicted? Anything come of it? So he got arrested on Valentine's Day in 2020. Okay. And, and I've been a little hard pressed to find out some information about him because, um, you know, you and I talked about him because I'm like, I, I want to burn that dude to the ground. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I want to take all of my evil energy and burn that guy into the ground because off the top of my head, I could probably list 10 people 
bing, 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 right now that I know that have been victimized by him. And this dude went on for 10 years. Well, you know, and there's varying levels of abusers out there. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. there's some that are just widely accepted because they're regular adult entertainers and, you know, there'll be at trade shows and stuff. I mean, I'm not going to name names or anything right now, but I mean, there was some that were actually given awards, I guess, recently. So it's like, you know, what, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of everywhere, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, let me ask you this, you know, let's, let's talk about, I guess, something, uh, happier for right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to talk to you, uh, about, you know, like your dancing and your pole dancing, uh, stuff. Yeah. So, you know, like, would you say, I mean, are you doing a lot of that now still? Are you, you know, very active as a dancer and, and in clubs and stuff? Yeah. It's, it's really funny because I would say that I'm actually more active now post pandemic than I was earlier when I got started. So I'm definitely regularly booked now at the club and it's been great. I'm taking June off though, because May was really hectic. Um, It was basically almost the entire month of being booked. And I don't know how it is in the States versus Canada, but like um, the way that it's structured out here, specifically in the Pacific Northwest, um, you have to have an agent to specifically dance on stage and to dance on stage, you also get paid per show. You get your tips, um, all that stuff too. So it's structured a little bit differently, but we do have like regular strippers out here too that we call VIP or do private dances only, but with no stage shows or they don't get paid for stage shows and stuff. So it's a little bit, um, it's structured a little bit differently, I would say, um, up here, but it's, it's been great. I love it. It's so much fun. Like, it's just nice to actually have like real regulars now and people that like look forward to when I'm going to be at the club next. I've had podcast fans come <laughs> to see me dance in this past month, which has been like really crazy and fun. And they get a dance and we just chat <laughs> and it's been really cool. It's really, really a lot of fun. And I mean, not related to the stripping side, um, but kind of related because pole dancing came from stripping. Um, I'm still an active like pole dance instructor as well. One of the local studios here. And I've been like teaching and dancing basically for almost six years now. I'm teaching tonight, actually. So keeps me keeps me active. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to be in some seriously good shape in order to uh, to do it and pull off so many of those moves. I mean, just it's the strength. Hard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, the like, core be, strength alone, my goodness. Yeah. Like your core strength must be phenomenal, right? It, it was better before. <laughs> it's not not quite the same, but still, like, um, I mean, I like the moves that I like to do. I don't, I'm not really, I mean, I'm still at a high level, but I'm not really on that trajectory of like, I need to know every single move and I need to like master every single trick. I've kind of, been there, done that. And I feel like that kind of got halted with, with COVID and everything. Cause I was competing pretty regularly on that front and competing internationally as well. And just moving up the ranks that way. But then I just, I don't know, they came on with like online competitions and like, I just feel it's like unfair and like not quite the same thing as like in-person gigs, you know? So (laughs) speaking of COVID, so like me, a lot of my stuff is in person, you know, I'm entrenched in the kink community and would hold events and then here comes COVID and, you know, how did you parlay 
earning a livelihood through COVID. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. (laughs) Right? It's awful. I mean, um, I'm a sex worker, yes, but I also have some vanilla gigs as well. So luckily at that point, I mean, I had gotten laid off from all of my jobs. So from pole dance instructor, from the strip club, like anything in person, really, like I worked at a hotel, really like part-time, my office work at the time, I got laid off from that. And it was just bad. I had basically no income coming in. I mean, I had my OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. which I had already started the year prior. So like, that was like the only stream of income I had coming in, like besides, um, the government, like subsidized, like, um, funds that were coming in in Canada. So it was really tricky because I was so used to making a certain amount, like receiving a certain amount of income and then having to kind of adjust my lifestyle, like a complete 180 and, try to figure things out and continuing to try to continue to innovate myself. Um, and that's kind of like where I started my YouTube channel because I had the time to do it. <laughs> and then um, I was like, well, I'll, I don't know. We'll just see what happens with that. And honestly, it was just, it was a really, it was difficult to adjust. But at the same time, it was such a godsend because I actually had time in my hands now where I could actually take a rest and not be such a workaholic. But sad to say I'm back in my workaholic kind of mode again. <laughs> hey, it keeps you out of trouble. And by the way, thanks for saying 180 and not 360. Drives me batshit when people say that. It's like, come on. Think about it. <laughs> Is that Sorry. you saying that, Jay? <laughs> no, and, and trust me, I'm picking up on everything. I don't just pick up on these little things here and there and ignore the rest. But there's just certain things that stand out for me when it comes down to it. So, but yeah, no. yeah. I mean, the pandemic affected all of us in just so many different ways. And there go my dogs, and there's somebody at my door. That's all right. <laughs> we fly by the seat of our pants here. Hey, maybe I mean, they'll want to sit down and be part of our interview. You know, I yeah. mean, it isn't enough that my my welcome mat says "fuck off" on it. You know, I mean, I mean, it doesn't. But I mean, it's just like I don't. It drives me batshit when people ring my doorbell or call me. Does it bother you guys like that at all? Like, if your phone rings, do you get triggered? I don't like people that drop in unannounced. Okay. That I don't like whatsoever. No. Um, That's rude. But yeah, <laughs> but the phone, I just turn it the fuck off. If yeah. I don't feel like talking to people, you know, put it on mute, turn it the fuck off. I just let it ring. <laughs> <laughs> I just let it ring. If they really need to get a hold of me, they will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you this much. You're very accessible. I mean, at least for me, whenever I need to reach you. You're always like that. Same with, with Kai. And I mean, you know, you both have your lives and you're busy and stuff, but you know, I just feel like it's important to make yourself accessible to other people in the industry. You know, things get done quicker that way, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just feel like there's like, like there's one good thing about the community. It's just like, I have never felt like so welcomed, um, in any other community at all. And I just feel like we all share similar sentiments. We are all going through similar things and there's just so much support there. And I really wish I had had that. Um, For example, like when I was sugaring, I didn't really have any pillars of support 
or anyone that could relate to me at that time, like a decade ago. So it's so nice and comforting to have these right resources and have contacts and people that you can just reach out to that are so accessible nowadays. So it was very different for folks that were doing, um, uh, escorting, if you were working in a house or if you were sugaring, even only 10 years ago, finding each other for that community. Because how, how people found each other was, um, maybe if you were working in a house and, you know, you developed friendships there, but it's a very isolating. Um, so even just 10 years ago, it was hard for folks to find each other, even with the, even with the, um, like review boards and, and all that gobbledygook garbage. Um, <laughs> it was, it was hard <clears throat> to still connect in person and have that support system. Now it's different. Um, there's so many platforms and there's so much social media you know, mainstream is sort of beginning to accept sex workers a little bit more now. So people <laughs> are able to find each other more. And you're right. I mean, that was only like 10 years ago. I was listening to you talk and I'm like, yeah, it was really hard for like in-person workers to find one another. Yeah. And another was- thing I, I wanted to say was what you just said, we have heard repeated on this podcast where people have said this industry is a community like no other. Right, Jay? Everybody's like, we've heard that so many times, um, people saying how accepting and they've never had like um, a community like this before that has just welcomed and accepted them. I love that that's a reoccurring, uh, you know, thought on this podcast. I want to ask you this. So, you know, when you, when you're not dancing, podcasting, doing adult industry type of stuff, you know, what uh, what kind of things does Steph see you into? What uh, what do you like to do in whatever free time you're able to find when you're not workaholicking like the rest of us? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, well, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I love food. So. Yes, and I got a question. <laughs> you ate twenty tacos this weekend. What? Yeah, I ate twenty tacos this weekend. <laughs> In one sitting? No, no, one sitting. Over. I was going to say four, four, four meals, maybe. <laughs> okay, but yeah, you definitely into food. I mean, you know, you post a lot of uh, these amazing pictures of. I mean, these are creations that you're you're making yourself, right? Yeah, well, half and half. So, like a lot of things that I make at home, and then like dining out and going to restaurants. Like that's kind of like how I de-stress is when yeah. I don't have to any work I could just go out to the restaurant and just enjoy myself and like especially when traveling too because I love I love traveling as well and I just feel like a really good way to learn about um, a region or a country is through its food and wine so I really really enjoy doing that I think it's just the best part of life and it's really nice to start traveling again too because like I actually used to work in luxury travel for uh, at least for four years and was traveling every month all the time. This is bef- like kind of when I was moonlighting as a stripper and working in an office <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. I mean, moonlighting, we do a lot of us do that. Right. So sure. That, that duality. Um, but yeah, I used to travel pretty extensively before and I just kind of really miss that. And like, again, having to adjust to not doing any kind of traveling or just limiting myself to domestic travel. And now it's just like kind of Canada and and American travel, which has been kind of nice and (laughs) refreshing again. Um, That, um, other than that, like those are my main interests. But I'm also really, I mean, I'm a podcaster, but I am really into podcasts and just learning 
things, especially the things I don't know about. And the topics really vary. Like it's all over the board. <laughs> so what are your top three? Cause I like to listen to podcasts too. So um, what would you say would be your top three? Yeah, right now. Oh gosh. Um, something that I really look forward to listening to is Darknet Diaries, which is all about um, like security, penetration tests, <laughs> hacking. Um, I'm not a hacker or anything like that or techie in any way, but I find that work to be super fascinating. And especially when people go undercover for certain jobs, like I think that's really, really cool. And also just helps with security measures as well. Like like your laptop and stuff that can actually um, overlap with a lot of online sex work and a lot of online anything, basically. That I really like. Um, I'm also really big into this new podcast called the Mr. Ballin Podcast, which is a storytelling podcast that actually branched off of TikTok and YouTube. And he finally just started getting a podcast, which is perfect. And it's all about the dark and mysterious and kind of like crazy, crazy stories that that will just leave your jaw dropped basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of a couple was of Was he telling them like he was telling stories on TikTok? Because I know that what is the, the time parameters on TikTok? Like 90 seconds or something like that? I don't know how long. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I clearly don't use TikTok that often. I don't either. I didn't think there <laughs> yeah. was. No, I thought there was because everybody's talking like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are they talking so fast? I just think that that's to compensate for everyone's insanely short time attention. Oh yeah, well that too probably. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what's that podcast, yeah. Mister Somebody? Mister Ballin. 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 A L L E N. It's like really, really crazy, and like it's some of the stories are all sh- so shocking because they're all real, like true stories that happen. Oh all over the world. And it's just like, I guess users submit it on Reddit. And then he like goes and tries to vet the stories. And like a lot of them are some like really big cases. And then some of them are just like small that you've never even heard of before, but they're just so wild and like left field. They're like, Whoa. You know, some of those most zany stories come out of very small towns with populations of like 1200 people. Yes. Like if you watch the ID channel and all the zany murderers and crap that goes on on those shows it it seems like some of the most bizarre crap comes out of these very small little they don't even have a blinking light type of town right (laughs) they got nothing else going on so obviously what are you gonna do i mean it's just like here in texas whenever you hear of just like horrible things that happen you know like what recently happened in fucking in uvalde i mean it's just horrible horrible shit and I mean, you know, there's been other, I mean, there's a small town on the way to Houston. I remember several years back, somebody shot up an entire family and like five people were killed or something like that. When you have a town of like 1200 people, you know, the murder rate like that, it would be the equivalence of somebody being off to New York City, you know, in public, like every five minutes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that bad when you have that kind of thing happen in a small town. And I mean, you know, is small towns are technically safe, yes, but at the same time, yeah, a lot of the crazy, weird shit happens in these smaller towns. Definitely, I don't think anywhere is safe anymore. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anywhere is like. I, I think, um, and, and and it sounds um, alarmist or something, and I'm not an alarmist, but um, 
I just don't think that there's much safety. I think that's a false, you know, facade that, you know, people like to tell themselves that, oh, small town. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so you gave us two podcasts. Do you have a third one that's like on your, your top ones right now? I mean, just for like an everyday easy listen. Uh, I also love Girls Gotta Eat which is like a relationship advice kind of podcast or just like life advice that's like really funny. It's run by a comedian and her girlfriend who's also like equally hilarious and they've got some good advice on there, I would say, or like guys we fucked. It's it's similar to that show as well in terms of like navigating different relationships, different kind of um, mood disorders and stuff like that. Like it's just really, really – easy listening that you don't have to like listen to it on a chronological basis or anything like that. And that comes out like once or twice a week. So those Mm -hmm. ones, yeah, those are just like a few that I I kind of constantly listen to or like how I built this, which is like all about entrepreneurship, which is also like, I don't, I don't know, to me really inspirational, especially as sex workers, we're all pretty much entrepreneurs. So I feel like there's some good nuggets of advice that can come through there or just that that come from like a lot of the founders and CEOs of like major companies that a lot of a lot of us would recognize. So yeah, it's a very vast, very <laughs> different interest, kind of like all over the place. But maybe it's kind of like me, kind of all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, and it gives us a good peek into who you are too. Like that's why I was asking you because it'll give your fans that are listening a good peek into you know who you are. Everybody wants to know you know who's behind the curtain. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and you do seem to have kind of like a mass appeal about you. You know, there's uh, just a who you are, personality-wise, what you do, the things that interest you. Uh, it seems like you know you wouldn't just appeal to like your typical white cis middle-aged male only. You know, I have a feeling <laughs> that your audience is probably a lot more broad than that. Yeah, um, definitely are for sure. Like my audience is like, well, yes, it's comprised. Of a lot of sex workers, a lot of sex workers listen to the show, but there's also like a lot of like cis men that listen to the show that want to do better, want to learn better, want to be better clients that always often write in for advice, um, asking questions about their fellow sex workers or, or how to navigate um, this or like I'm going to be seeing a, a new provider soon and I'm nervous about this and this. How can I approach a question like this? I'm like, you should just ask them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so it's just, it's really, it's really good. I, I feel like the audience that I've curated is, they're just like people like me <laughs> or people like us that I feel like have an open mind and are not judgmental and have some good understanding <laughs> of how the world works and especially our world and um, are critical thinkers. And that's the kind of people that I want listening to my show anyways. So, right. Yeah. Uh, if you're willing to say, do you have any kind of travel plans for later this year? Anywhere that you're thinking of going, whether it be industry related, work related, fun related, if if you can share. Yeah. Okay. Well, nothing, nothing too crazy. Like right now, like I, I know you haven't been to Vancouver <laughs> yet, but Vancouver summers are really lovely and oh, yeah, it's sure. really short in, in Vancouver. So I always love to kind of do road trips and spend time uh, as close to home as much as I can along the Pacific Northwest. I just came back from Whidbey Island, which is just, um, just off of, 
just kind of like off of uh, Seattle, which is super cute. They've got like little wineries there, like lots of like artisanal markets and stuff, which is super adorable. And um, I'll be doing a wine trip because we have a wine region here in British Columbia as well, which I usually go once or twice a year to do my big wine haul for the year. (laughs) Or at least, yeah, I mean, up until the end of the year, technically. (laughs) And um, I'll probably be going somewhere for my birthday, I hope. I just don't know where or when that's going to be. But hopefully somewhere international. I'm thinking either South America or back to Europe again because I've been itching to go somewhere that doesn't speak English, like as a first language. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I nothing wrong with any English speaking countries. I just really want to be pushed out of my comfort zone and just be forced to learn another, another language and learn another culture and stuff too. So yeah, nothing, nothing specific yet. Cause I'm kind of, I'm planning for my wedding. So I'm kind of just kind of like not spending too crazy right now. <laughs> cool. to be so, well, you got yeah. a busy year at least ahead of you. you. See, uh, you say you're planning for your wedding. Do you have like a day and month and all that picked out? Yeah, it's going to be next year. So it's going to be our, our May long weekend, um, for next year. So May 21, oh. which I'm excited for. And okay. yeah, I'm it's a year away, but still, like, I'm a really crazy planner, so I'm just trying to get everything organized as far in advance as I possibly can so I can enjoy the Smart. rest of the year. Yeah. Try yeah, to. And it'll be here before you know it. I mean, people always say that, and yes, a year does take a while to go through, but, you know, you're going to be looking back in six months and just go, wow, six months from now, and it's just, wow, where did that go, you know, kind of thing. So, uh did you say Pacific Northwest? Did I you say that? Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, a lot of folks when they hear, and this is going to be so far off and oddball and off topic, but a lot of folks hear Pacific Northwest and they they automatically think Bigfoot, right? <laughs> <It's> with- <laughs> they do? Yeah, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. A lot no, of people. All right, well, that. maybe just the crazy people I know. <laughs> Could be right. I mean, there's a ton of like lakes and like bush and it's like really remote wildernessy areas where I live. So, so I'm yes. just wondering what is what are your thoughts on that? And I have a friend that is so um this is probably from years of listening to him, Pacific Northwest, Bigfoot, because he's like a, a Bigfoot like a, a complete whack job. He's a very <laughs> rational person in his life, but when it comes to this, he like spins out of control. So <laughs> you said Pacific Northwest, but then it sort of failed because you're like, Oh, what Pacific Northwest? And Jay said the same thing. <laughs> oh, was associated with Bigfoot. So let's just have Thomas cut this whole segment out. <laughs> Uh, no, it's staying. Nothing is getting edited out. This Unless is new something... for me. Like this... <laughs> we don't edit partially because I'm too lazy, and also because I like to try to get as much in as possible. Yeah. You know, it's like unless something so damaging or deranging right. or yeah. you know fucked up for your brand or in yeah. general gets said. You know, I don't think we've really ever edited out. I don't anything. think we. I mean, that goes against the gist of our whole thing: flying exactly. by the seat of our pants. You know? yeah. Well, you know, Kai, actually, maybe you're not actually that far off because I know, like, well, we used to have a, a music festival here called the Sasquatch Music Festival. Oh, see? That's got to be related. See? You're not crazy. Yeah. I'm not crazy. 
<laughs> People may argue that, but I'm not. I'm not crazy. The Sasquatch <laughs> Music Festival. Yeah, I mean that's was- another word for Bigfoot is Sasquatch. That's yeah. Indian Indian terminology. The Ameri- uh, Native Native American terminology for it is Sasquatch. So, so you're not uh, wrong. And this, yeah. this wasn't as crazy as you thought. <laughs> you know what? I just did a Google search, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it looks like um, Bigfoot has a cabin in Kamloops. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was actually thinking of Kamloops because they have like a region there, like the lake is supposed mm-hmm. to be where the sightings apparently are. I just guessed that because I'd actually heard that word recently and it sounds kind of funny to me. So naturally I would say Bigfoot <laughs> lives there. <laughs> We're so fucking messy. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Jay, is that a, is that a t-shirt um, from Ruth um, Ozark? Yes. Are you right? Yes. Oh my God. Unfortunately, <sighs> our viewers aren't going to be able to see this, uh-huh. but yeah, you got a picture here and then read what it says underneath. <laughs> I, I, that's something I would probably say. I don't know shit I don't know about shit fuck. about fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I like to public. curse. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good uh, shirt for that. I haven't worn it in public yet. I, I plan to at some point. Um, I, I just I haven't really Ruth. been out. So. <laughs> I love Jason Bateman. I love Jason Bateman so much. And it's so funny because, I mean, he's from my generation. Mm -hmm. I honestly never paid him any mind until, I don't know, about five years ago. And now, you know, I listen to his podcast and I'm like, oh, my God, I would totally bang him into the ground. And I don't (laughs) sort of feel that way about too many people. (laughs) Yeah. I love Jason Bateman. I, he's, you know, yeah, I'm like almost the same exact age as him. And I've been watching him ever since I was a kid when he was on Silver Spoons. Uh, the guy is an understated, amazing mm-hmm. actor. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if I were to ever make it, which I never will, as a successful actor, uh, he and like Matt Damon and a couple of those others that are from the same kind of generation, I would be just clinging on to as uh, friends. But uh yeah, I mean, you guys, did you watch all of Ozark? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that ending was crazy. I'm not going to say anything in case anyone still yeah. watch. Don't no say anything. Yeah. I haven't watched. So this oh. is what I did. You know how they dropped the first seven episodes of the final season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, this is how much self-control I have. I was like, I'm not watching those until they're all dropped. Yeah. And then I can binge them. And now I'm sort of like, I don't want it to be over. No. Yeah. So I just put it on the shelf and I'm deciding what to do with it. Maybe I'll watch a little bit at a time. I don't want it to be over because it's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and no, I, I don't know if I can. No, I won't say anything. I mean, anything. I mean, I'm not going to say how this one ends or what or anything. I mean, you got shows out there that ran for many seasons where the final episode leaves a lot of people disappointed and it's like, you know, things aren't resolved or it's like, like the what Sopranos. The fuck yeah. It makes people right? wonder what the fuck, you know, and it yeah. gets debated and debated to, to ad nauseum. And then you have others like Six Feet Under where the final episode, it just ties everything together. And like Breaking Bad, too, I think it did as well, where Mm -hmm. it's just like, wow, this is like the best possible ending, and it treats everything so fairly. I'm not going to say one way or another about about this, but, I mean, it is discussed quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it with that. And actually, I will also say that we are kind of coming to an end to this episode since we are – 
past that uh, magical, I don't know why I picked 45 minutes. I just think it's good, you know. <laughs> An hour is too long, and anything shorter than that, I don't know if people won't take it so seriously. So, you know, I want to, first of all, thank you, Steph Sia, for being a guest on our humble podcast here. And I would love to uh, get how people can reach you. What are the best ways if people want to reach out to uh, Steph Sia? Oh, yeah. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. It's Stripped by Sia, which is the name of my podcast. You can also find me on Instagram as well as Stripped by Sia. Um, any podcast platform, like literally any podcast platform, you'll find Stripped by Sia. I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stripped by Sia. And my OnlyFans, which is OnlyFans.com slash Sia Step. And that's pretty much everything. At least the, pl- the platforms I think matter. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And I just want to give a quick shout out. I mean, we're going to have the commercials playing earlier on in the episode, but I want to give a shout out to our sponsors of uh, Seat of Your Pants, which include Live Unicorns, Sugar Bounce, and Only Dolls. OnlyDolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. OnlyDolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam girl? Cam couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at OnlyDolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at OnlyDolls.com. So big thank you to them for supporting for supporting the arts. <laughs> this has been incredible. Thank you so much, by the way. Thank you for uh, helping us jumpstart season two of Seat of Your Pants. And uh, <laughs> I guess with that, I will say goodbye for now, everyone. Goodbye.